Hello and welcome to the Expression Series of Podcasts as part of the Scottish Mental Health Arts and Film Festival with me, Nicole Bell. This series examines different forms of artistic expression and the contribution they make to the representation and discussion of mental health. Today we'll be examining film, specifically the film Still Alice, and its role as a platform for the representation of dementia. I'm joined today by Dr Maggie Ellis, a Fellow in Dementia Care in the School of Psychology and Neuroscience at the University of St Andrews. Thank you for joining me today, Maggie. Pleasure. <laughs> Firstly, I'd like to ask you how you think Still Alice represents dementia in comparison to other popular films. For example, The Notebook deals with dementia. Um, as, although I don't think Still Alice is perfect, I think there are some parts of it that I identified as maybe not exactly representative of mm. uh, of what happens to people with dementia. I think it's a really vast improvement on some of the films I've seen before, uh, specifically The Notebook, which mm. is, you know, total Hollywood. Yeah, it's very um, romanticised and it, in and out. It is, yeah, yeah. And the yeah, the lady in the in the in the film The Notebook sort of comes in and out of her dementia and, you know, some days she's fine and all of a sudden she'll remember who everyone is and, uh, and oh I'm so sorry I forgot you all and then the next second she's she's back to forgetting everyone and then lashing out madly and it's uh, it's not exactly uh, an accurate representation it's it's very dramatised and very much written for, for Hollywood and I did feel that still Alice although as I said not perfect it's much more realistic representation of what it might be like to have dementia, specifically young onset dementia, which works really quickly. Mm. Um, I did think it was it was actually quite good, um, and sort of told the story quite well. Um, it was quite sympathetic to to all the characters, even even her husband who ends up kind of of leaving her. Mm. You you understand. I think what he's going through in the movie. Um, so yeah, I do, I do think it's a much better representation of of anything I've seen before. It's kind of nice that the um, the other characters, the familial characters, if you like, they're not held up as totally heroic, mm-hmm. which often you do see in films as well. I thought that was an interesting. Yeah, point. yeah, me too. You you do see. It is much more realistic in things like than the Notebook, for example. You know, her husband was completely devoted to her, twenty four hours a day, and coming into her and reading to her. I believe I can beat this. Um, whereas in Still Alice, you know, people are more accepting of the diagnosis and what's what's happening to their mum and their wife, and you do get to see sort of the dark side of some people's characters. Yeah. So you know, our, our our older daughter is is quite short with her. Uh, loses her temper with her. Um, the husband is, you know, he ends up leaving her to go and pursue his own career. Um, you know, you you do see, you do see the negative sides of the family members and and how it impacts on them. And those things do happen. Yeah. You know, no one is is saintly. Mm. So now we're kind of we're sort of getting onto the social impact yeah. of things. Yeah, yeah. So in Still Alice, the social impact is represented quite differently to mm-hmm. that in the Notebook. Yeah. What do you think of how Still Alice treats the social impact of a diagnosis of dementia? I think it does this really well. Um, we see Alice starting to um, lose her words. Says me trying to find words to, exp- <laughs> to describe it. She starts off losing her words uh, during the talk. 
and she masks this by cracking a joke. So she says, she forgets the word um, lexicon, mm-hmm. which I'm glad I just remembered. <laughs> um, she forgets the word lexicon and she searches and searches for it and then makes a joke in the middle of the talk and says, you know, I, I'm really glad I didn't have that glass of champagne or I shouldn't have had that glass yeah. of champagne and, you know, everyone laughs and it diffuses the situation. And that's a great example of how people with dementia, especially in earlier stages, are very, very cleverly able to cover things up. Mm. Um, I think the the neurologist later on says in the film that people... Um, can avoid going to uh, to see about their memory problems for a long, long time because they come up with these really inventive and intelligent ways of covering up their problems, of masking them so that other people don't see uh, mm-hmm. and that they're, they're perfectly aware there's something not quite right um, but and also perfectly aware that once they say those words, I think there's something wrong with me, then everyone around them will change. Mm-hmm. And I think we see that in the film, when she gets the diagnosis, then people around her do change. But I think it's um, the way we see her change socially is, I think that's done really very well. Mm. Um, and that we see her search for words to begin with. And then once people realize that there's something not quite right and she does get a diagnosis, then the people around her change. And she doesn't change that quickly but because she has that label and that diagnosis, then her family members start to treat her differently. Mm. They start to talk over her. At the table, there's a scene where where people are are talking about her while she's there. Um, That happens throughout the film. Um, And then we see her change from someone who's able to, to have a conversation quite easily to someone who is struggling, really struggling to find words to anchor herself in a conversation. Uh, then we see her at, at her daughter's play mm. and she doesn't recognise her daughter and she's able to sort of laugh that off as well and, and joke about that but we do see her change get towards the end of the film we see her really um, her social skills are really starting to change and it's not just the people around her she really is losing her uh, ability to, to hold conversations mm. um, but I think the last scene um, where her daughter is uh, reading a a scene from a play that she's performing to her Mm mum. It's just the two of them sitting together. And Alice looks kind of lost while she's listening to this. Um, And at the end of it, her daughter says to her, what what is this about, mum? What what do you think this is about? And she struggles to find words and she says, it's it's about love. And, you know, I thought that was really poignant because yeah. it, it shows, yes, she is losing her social skills and she's losing the ability to voice her uh, opinions. Um, but what she isn't losing is the ability to recognise emotions mm. and to feel emotions and, and to be able to be in the moment and express those. And I think that last scene... You know, it's called Still Alice, and that last scene shows that she is still Alice. Mm. Um, and what we're seeing in the film is that, yes, she is losing her skills, but maybe maybe we should think about it as maybe those social skills um, are becoming masked rather than lost 
and therefore it's our job, like her daughter in the last scene is able to draw those out, it's our job to be able to recognise those and find some way of working with her um, that is best placed for her to be able to express herself. Yeah. So moving kind of away from the, the social aspect, one thing that she kind of uses to support her in this sort of journey of, of loss, if you like, of the social skills, mm-hmm. is her smartphone. We see yeah. her use her smartphone on a, on a daily basis. Do you think in the real world technology can be used to support somebody with a diagnosis in, in that way? Or is that misrepresented in the film? I, I don't think it's for everyone. Mm. Um, in my own experience, I, I worked with a gentleman with um, dementia and he also had early onset. Um, but he, before he was diagnosed, he was very au fait with technology. He was great, he used to make his own greetings cards on his <laughs> PC and everything. You know, he, he, he was just really good with technology. And he kind of lost his confidence a bit. Um, but once um, he and I started to work together, he, he really got interested in technology again and took to an iPhone, he saw my iPhone, <laughs> and he wanted one, and uh, his wife bought him one, and we worked through it together, um, and he just ran with it. So he, first thing he did was downloaded a journal app, which meant that he could take a note of everything that was happening every day. He would put in all his appointments, all his travel arrangements, um, he also used his smartphone to sort of anchor himself spatially. Mm-hmm. So if he if he had gone outside and felt a bit lost, then he could just look at his phone and tell where he was. So the, the sat-nav part of his phone was really useful for him. Also, his wife would be able to tell where he was when he was outside. Um, he used it for absolutely everything. And not just things like being able to uh, aid his memory, so sort of remind him of things that he needed to do or places he needed to be. It also helped him to maintain social connections. So he would email people, he would text people, um, he joined Facebook, <laughs> <laughs> and you know he used Facebook on his on his uh, phone, on his smartphone all the time. So he would be in touch with relatives in Australia, you know while he was out on a day trip in Glasgow and he just loved it. It just, it really, in his words, gave him a new lease of life. Because yeah. um, I don't think everyone would be that accepting of it. Mm. I mean, I know I know older people who you know, don't have a diagnosis of dementia who would be, you know, just absolutely terrified to to be given a smartphone. Um, you know, be overwhelmed by the, the idea of it. Yeah. But it is, it is possible. Um, and certainly for this gentleman, technology really opened up his life to all these different opportunities that he wouldn't have had before. Um, you know, before he had this tiny little smartphone, it yeah. just it gave him it gave him so much. And to think that he didn't have one before, but then it sort of became an adaptation for him. That's really great that he yeah. can pick that up. Yeah. And I think it's sometimes when we think about dementia, we forget that you can pick up these new things. Not not always, not every time, but mm-hmm. there is that, that window of hope, mm-hmm. sort of, in that. Absolutely, and it also shows that, you know, we don't always need specifically tailored technology, so sort of gigantic phones with huge buttons and, you know, really, really loud rings and things that you, you sometimes see for older yeah. people. We don't necessarily need those ad- adaptations. If you can take a piece of technology that we all use and find some function of it that is useful for that individual, then 
you know, we can use what's already out there. Yeah, no, it's great. Mm. It's great. So we're sort of coming to the end mm -hmm. here now. So to sum up, we kind of touched on this earlier, but the film is titled Still Alice. Do you think that's an apt title for the film and why? I think it's a great title. I <laughs> love the title because it really does highlight the fact that we all need to remember that no matter what stage of dementia a person uh, is living in or experiencing, that person is still the person they have always been. Mm. Um, and some parts of them may be concealed or hidden because they are um, struggling with social skills or they're struggling with, with finding their words or their memory or you know whatever problems they're having. It's important for us to remember that that person is still a person they always were. Um, and that it really is up to us, it, it really is up to us to help to bring those characteristics out, to find some way of communicating with people with dementia or working with them that allows them to be themselves at no matter what stage of dementia they're at. I mean, Alice was still Alice right at the very uh, later stages yeah. when she was able to express emotion. Um, it was still her. Um, and I love that title. I think the title is, is one of the best things about the film. I think it's a great message to take away. Dr Maggie Ellis, thank you very much for joining me. Pleasure. Thank you, Nicole.